Hello and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Obsession Podcast. I am one of your hosts, as always, Hayden, and joined with me, as always, is Chris. I You paused and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to jump in or if you were going to say my name. You know, I like to keep you on your toes. I didn't know when I started. So <laughs> here we are. Well, Chris, it was another, there's a lot of news this week. I don't know how many things were like, oh, yeah, that's a solid 10 to 15 minutes we can talk about on the podcast, worthy news. But boy, there was a lot of stuff that happened and came out. Yeah, it was definitely interesting after like a couple weeks of drought. Suddenly we had like a Nintendo Direct. Uh, or sorry, Nintendo Direct. We had a Pokemon Direct. IGN did a whole fan fest thing. Sony had their own state of play video, and just, just a whole bunch of other shit. That like, yeah. Oh my god! And it's been almost a week now since Daft Punk broke up, and I'm still kind of reeling from that. Oh yeah. Th- wait, did that happen before we recorded last week? No, it was the day after. It was on a Monday. Oh jeez. Okay. Yeah. So you know, if you need a couple minutes to just mourn <laughs> on the podcast, they're but... open to you. Uh, honestly, maybe when we, when we get to the end, maybe if I need to pad some time, I can I can wax philosophical about a foundational aspect of my entire personality being gone. Oh well, you know, there's the tease, so stick around for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're probably just gonna jump into some of these. I'm gonna probably stick with or jump into some of these quicker pieces of news that people probably don't care as much about first. Uh, but. One of the biggest pieces of news for me specifically is that uh, Neil Blomkamp has revealed that he's begun writing District 10. And um, I love that because I've been waiting for a sequel to District 9. Uh, when did that come out? 2009? Since like, like the day after I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Neil Blomkamp. So much of his projects, I feel like, gets stuck in development hell. Because, I mean, he, like like we put it on the podcast before, he was working on a Halo movie that ended up turning into District 9. Um, and then, like, after he got three movies out, District 9, Elysium, and Chappie, then he left and started, like, a short film studio that didn't really work out. And I don't know, man, for, for a guy that seemed to have so much vision and style, I feel like I just haven't seen enough of his stuff. And I, I really hope this works out for him. Because writing the screenplay is one thing, Selling it to a studio and getting it made is going to be an entirely different ball game, and it's it's so far removed that I'm just not sure if studios have the same kind of fervor for a District Nine sequel that the uh, the the people that love the movie as a cult classic I feel like do. True, true. I'm just ha- and you know, and to your point, it is kind of surprising when you just think because I think when you told me that previously, I was like, wait, he only has the three movies out. That's crazy to me. But yeah, he's only got that, and so I think that might make it a little harder too, depending for someone to to greenlight it. But I'm I'm holding out hope. I'm very excited. Um, as District Nine's probably, I think shameless shameless plug. One of my favorite movies ever, which is really? kind of weird because I, mean, I haven't seen it for a while. But I watched it a bunch right after it came out, and I was just like, I was all about it. All the just. The world build the first like twenty to thirty minutes of that movie is some of the best cinema I've probably seen. Like Damn. when they're just like imp- showing you the world that they live in with all these weird alien creatures and how the society and how society has just changed to just adapt to them being a part of it. I I just I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. 
I, I should probably watch the movie again to see if it is how well it's aged and to see if me saying that is like, oof, gonna come back to haunt <laughs> me. But I, I definitely, with hearing that he's working on the script for District 10, um, I'm very excited to see where that goes. And hopefully I don't have to wait too long. But if it's not even started production, shoot, it could be like three years at a minimum before right. it would ever come out. It, District 9 was such a flash in the pan that I feel like most people forgot about that movie almost immediately. And I almost wonder if because of that, going back and watching it, if it wouldn't feel like a time capsule. Like, I mean, obviously it exists in a fictional version of Johannesburg, South Africa. So, I mean, it's not exactly going to be grounded in any current events. At least that would be relevant to us as now mid-twenties white American men. But, yeah. Like, just, just like, the style and the the moment that it released, I wonder if it wouldn't, like, take you back and exist solely as, uh, if you're right, a 2009 movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Because I, I, I also haven't seen it. Like, I saw it in theaters, and then I bought the DVD, and I might have watched it twice after that, and I also haven't seen it since then. So, like, a good, a good at least a decade since, probably. But I do remember really liking that movie. So the year it came out was also the the, the Oscars that it was a part of. It was part of the 2010 Oscars. Um, that was the first year that they bumped it from only five Best Picture nominees up to at most 10. So uh. here's here's what it was up against in, in, uh, in the Best Picture category. Wait, it, it was, was nominated for Best Picture? Yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, that year it was The Hurt Locker, Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, and Education, which uh, I don't even, like, I don't even know if I've heard of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, Precious, by, uh, by the novel, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, A Serious Man, which I remember, but I don't think I've seen. Oh, it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, Up. And up in the air. Like, that's a fucking stacked Best Picture lineup. I mean, I don't recognize half of those movies, but you, I mean, between The what? Blind Side, Up, and Inglorious Bastards, that's, yeah, it's a pretty good lineup. The Hurt Locker? You haven't never, seen The Hurt? That's what won. It. I, oh I recognize God. it. I know about it, but I have not seen it. So good. Up in the Air is pretty good. That's, um... I don't really watch war George movies. Clooney. You don't watch what? No, war, war movies? movies? War movies. Oh. Because oh. the the Herlock is a war movie, right? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's it's a really good one because it's very it's not like your traditional war movie. He's a uh, a bomb defusal unit in the Middle East. Um, it's it's really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hurt Locker, Up in the Air, District Nine, and Glorious Bastards, Blindside, all of those up for crime. Oh, it was a wild year. I think it won something. District 9, I think, won some award. Oh, I mean, it probably would have won, like, a technical award at least, right? If anything, it was, like, makeup. Because a lot of those, uh, I can't remember what they called the aliens, but a lot of that wasn't just, like, CG'd. They put them in, like, makeup for some of them, I think. So, oh, yeah. it was wild. But I, I don't know if they had like an actual term for their species, but I remember that all the the human characters in the movie as a derogatory word they called them prawns. Yes, 
Yes. But I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get District 10 and that it will be uh, somewhat close to as good as what District 9 was. Absolutely. I, mean, but, I, I do like Blumkamp's style because I, I even watched a lot of the short films he put out in the meanwhile, and they're all really good. The man is talented. It's a shame he doesn't have more movies under his belt. He's like yeah. he's like a grittier, lower budget J.J. Abrams. Oh yeah, I think, but he, I think at least with him from the ones I do, he goes way more into world building than what J.J. Abrams tends to do. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a big nerd for just building these interesting worlds that have that are like based in reality, but pick a couple little areas to just be completely different. And, it's, and you haven't even seen Chappie, right? I haven't. I haven't seen Chappie or Elysium, as wild as that is, <laughs> for how much I love District 9. But Well, I can't I necessarily to. speak for Elysium, but Chappie has a lot of similar vibes to District 9, so you should really check it out. Yeah, I'm definitely. it's definitely on the short list, but I feel like I keep saying that, and my movie watch list just continues to grow. Well, I mean, hell, so, we're in award season now, so your short list should be Best Picture nominees. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I watched, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but I watched uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. Really good. Really yeah. good. I was, uh, Sha- Sasha Baron Cohen's the best part of that movie. You but, know, I, so I haven't seen a Sasha Baron Cohen movie other than Borat, I'm pretty sure. So I only, like, knew him as Borat, and I didn't know that was Sasha Baron Cohen until oh. the movie was over and then I was like, "Oh fuck, he was really good." Yeah, he's oh, he's so good. I didn't know there were so many people cuz isn't Eddie Redmayne in it too? He's I think I think that's who that was. The uh the Tom Hayden guy, I think that was Eddie Redmayne. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um mm-hmm. so there's someone else. It's just like, "Oh my god, there's a lot of big name people in this movie." Yeah. But yeah, yeah. My shortlist now is Oscar bait. So, who knows? Eventually, I'll watch them. <laughs> but uh, keep us on the keep us on the movie side of things for a little bit. Uh, Pixar released their trailer for their next movie for Luca, which um, looks to me. I think when I posted it in the Discord, I was I said Ponyo meets Little Mermaid meets Shape of Water, and um, if you know about all three of those movies, I think it's very apt. <laughs> It it definitely looks like a magical movie. Yes. And and I don't necessarily mean that as high praise, but I mean it's Pixar, so more than likely the odds of it being amazing is is very good. But it uh yeah, like Shape of Water and Little Mermaid. Like if a, if a human could become the Shape of Water monster, that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. So and it, it looks very fun. It looks very like child spirit fueled you know very italian very italian <laughs> it it's going to capture some kind of summertime magic and i'm absolutely here for it i think i was watching some streamer they were like oh yeah it's like uh call me by your name but the kid fish version i'm like ah i don't know about that i don't know about that i don't know if i'd want to <laughs> see that movie <laughs> i don't i don't even know where that comparison's coming from uh there was i think they were just poking fun at they think that the, oh he the streamer i was watching was going on some like political thing like they're probably both cisgendered and or whatever like non <laughs> non Christ. 
whatever. I'm like, okay, this is this is going. I'm not ready for this. I wasn't ready to jump into this stream and get this kind of a conversation. <laughs> but it looks good. I did it say when it comes out? Oh, it's coming. It's June, so it's just right yeah. around the corner. Pretty so soon. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. I look forward to that. Uh, you know, Soul was great. I have no Pixar's great in general, so I, I do why, have one problem. Be though. great. Oh, um, and I, I, I think I either must be in a minority or I need to watch it again. But I don't like Pixar slapping from the makers of Inside Out on all of their trailers these days because I didn't really mm. like Inside Out. I think it's just because it's one that anyone with kids has 100% seen. And so, for the dumb parents out there, or the ill-informed parents out there, they can go, oh, they made that? I'll take my kid to see that, because I enjoyed that one, maybe. Well, yeah, but I just also hear a lot of high praise for Inside Out so often. And, like, I'm sure it is a good movie, and maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset, but I, honestly, Inside Out is probably on the bottom half of the Pixar ladder of quality for me. Interesting. I can't uh, speak against that as I haven't seen it. Um, but <laughs> as we have f- quickly found out, I like talking about a lot of movies that I have never seen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I-, I will definitely keep an eye out for that now too to see how many more of their trailers I see mention that. Well, it's like all of them since it came out. I mean, it doesn't help that uh, I think the... I- God, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up, but I think no, I'm not even gonna say a name. But like the the guy that wrote uh, Soul was also one of the writers on Inside Out, so there it makes sense. It's justified. I think he's a higher up at Pixar now. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure who exactly is involved in the writing process for Luca. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll we can we can look into it. Maybe we'll get back to you on that. Probably won't, but you know <laughs> who knows. But to keep keep this train a rolling. Since we moved from cinema now, we'll move over to keeping it on the animation train. See, I, I'm going to have a whole theme going with our transitions today, Chris. So, All right, I'm going to expect you to keep that up then. You, oh, you've shit. announced well, that it's a thing, and now you got to stick to it. I hope I can uh, keep it going. We'll see. But uh, the, uh, the people who made Avatar The Last Airbender have announced that they are going to make a new series and movies in the avatar world and i'm kind of about it yeah i can't say i have any opinion here i haven't seen avatar i haven't seen legend of Korra. i know they're great i'm happy for the fans and the creators that they have this opportunity to flesh out the world and do more stories inside of it because i know that i i know they're both very good shows i know they're very high quality and i know it's a rich world with a lot of lore to explore i am happy for other people that this is happening for them I'm I'm interested to see if this is only coming about because the live action show basically fell through. <laughs> and some of the original creators of the animated show were on the production team and they were the, they had a lot of I think issues with other people leading the project and then they eventually bowed out. I don't know. I don't know all the details on it. I could only assume due to some creative differences and the direction they wanted to take the live action compared to what the animated show was. But um, I'm I'm all about seeing more. It's one of those worlds where you're like, yeah, I, I'd be okay with watching uh, watching something else in this world. Because uh, it's, it's such a expansive world. There's so, many, so much room for smaller stories 
to be told similar to how, you know, I'm not saying it's on the same scale, but similar to how Star Wars has the Mandalorian where no one thought we were getting that in a Star Wars universe. You could get some mercenary type shows in the in the Avatar world, you know, maybe it's Avatar so it won't go darker most likely, but it, it, there's a lot of potential and I'm interested to see where they choose to take that whole world and franchise going forward. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm not the biggest fan of Nickelodeon as a production house, and I'm not the biggest fan of a handful of their collaborators. I don't think Nickelodeon makes very good decisions with what shows it picks, what shows it keeps around, what shows it beats into the ground. Avatar is kind of a shining beacon among Nickelodeon productions, and I would dare say a lot of, from a business perspective, their motivation here is Paramount+, Plus, where... They know Avatar is very popular. Maybe Nickelodeon was playing hardball and didn't want to give these guys everything they wanted to work with them again because maybe working with Nickelodeon was a nightmare. I could believe it. But Nickelodeon knows Avatar is insanely popular with the generation that is going to be buying their streaming service. So if you give them not only what's already there, but, you know, it's finished, there's no more, but then also give them whatever they want to make more that will inevitably be popular That'll drive subscriptions for your service. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's funny because you have led me to be able to go in one of two directions for the next segue because you mentioned both of them in that last point. But we're going to stick on the Nickelodeon side specifically and uh, go on a little bit of a rant both ways, I think. I don't know how – I think you're pretty – in a similar camp as me of Nickelodeon just is deciding to CG all their old IPs and I fucking hate it. Yeah, uh, the 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 little teaser they put out for the new Rugrats reboot looks like I don't know. It's not we're, bad. We're we're in a moment for media where I firmly believe almost everything that you are going to personally see, anything that is marketed to you that you don't seek out individually, it's at least gonna be a five out of ten because nobody makes anything actually bad. And in that same way, the animation on this Rugrats teaser isn't bad but it has no soul yeah yeah exactly and it's i look at it like it's for whatever reason you know it seems there were i I just try to remember back when we were in the the age demographic for rugrats for spongebob when when it was on nickelodeon you know like what old ass shows were still on and there weren't a whole lot of them that had like they just they didn't remake stuff they were making new stuff so then it's just interesting to look at it now for us of like oh they're remaking all this stuff that we knew as kids and yeah even though it's not to our demographic like they're not remaking the new Rugrats for people in their 20s like us to watch so from that standpoint who gives a shit what we think but it's kind of annoying that they're going to all these things we loved as kids and then they're redoing it not to appease us because we're not watching it anymore. But instead of doing what they did when we were kids and they just made new, cool, interesting stuff that a new generation gets to experience and have it be the equivalent of not trying to, I guess, make them like an old thing because it's probably easier to make than a completely new idea. I just think it, to an extent, it to me, kind of comes off as a little bit lazy i don't i don't know enough about the ins and outs of 
<laughs> show production to know that that's real, but as a consumer who, I mean, loved a lot of these Nickelodeon franchises when I was younger, it's just kind of weird and disrespectful in some ways to see it done, redone in a way that doesn't really do the original justice, in my opinion. Well, you know, I think that actually hits on uh, an amount of hypocrisy, I think, with our generation, actually. Um, and I, I'm not exactly calling you out on this because I don't think, I mean, at least at current, you don't have any plans to have kids. I don't have any plans to have kids. But, like, I see a lot on the internet, and I have a few family members that have kids that, that say this, that, like, they want to introduce their kid to everything they watched growing up because they liked it and they think it was really good and they want their kid to have that same experience. And I'm not exactly sure if that mentality is any different than Nickelodeon rebooting an old show for a new generation. Like, I don't disagree yeah. that it does seem lazy, but I also don't know that we are in the right to call that out when, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we were like, yeah, I want my kids to watch Ed, Ed and Nettie because I watched Ed, Ed and Nettie. I, I'm not sure if it's different. True. I guess my the, I'm coming from uh, the standpoint of I would rather, if that's what it was, I'd just show my kids the original if no matter how bad it is. And if they don't like watching it in how whatever, you know, whatever 1040p or 140p <laughs> or whatever it is <laughs> you know then they don't like it it's whatever i i just think it's in, in, and part of it is probably just because we're in an area an era of content creation that has never been seen before that it's just a lot easier to just put a fresh coat of paint on it and put out very similar stuff where before you couldn't do that like we'd probably have a lot more I can bet your ass if the Flintstones had come and the Jetsons had come out when we did, when we watched them, you know, we were watching those shows. We'd love them like most of our parents might have. But then, like, I hated watching those when I was that age. So <laughs> to to your point, I guess a little bit, maybe that's what they're, they're thinking is, well, we know, like, if you show your kids the cartoons that you watched as a kid, they're going to probably not like them because they're not dated. They're dated as hell and reference stuff that was probably going on when they came out. So just put a fresh coat of paint on it and modernize it. And maybe that's to your point. That's that might be what they're thinking about doing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be an episode for this new Rugrats where Angelica gets a smartphone, right? Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I hate that thought. I hate that. I just had that thought. Oh, that's so going to happen. She's like, what was she three? Uh, oh, she might have been like even four or five. five, I, five I, I have no fucking idea. I know Chucky was two, and he was the oldest kid, like baby. I, I barely watched babies. any Rugrats, so I couldn't tell you. I think, yeah, they might have been f like four or five. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But uh, to to keep we're keeping the trains rolling, you know, trains train rolling. Um, the other this one's not going to be as great of a transition because. I could have gone two ways with the last one. But speaking of Paramount Plus, um, it has been officially announced that the Halo TV show, which we also mentioned earlier, will be premiering on Paramount Plus in 2022. Um, I first want to talk about just the, sh the, talk, the, the news about the Halo show itself and then maybe talk a little more about Paramount Plus after that. But... Um, do you have any strong thoughts about this announcement of there officially being a Halo TV show that is ha has a released year? <laughs> uh, none of that still means anything to me. 
Halo products like this are notoriously never getting out of development, and that release date is so far out and non-specific that I'm not going to believe it's happening until I actually see a trailer. I I was very I had very similar thoughts. I I just can't get myself excited until at least there's some sort of teaser trailer for yeah. us to see. And plus kind of like District 9 like Grand Halo has still been going on, but it's been kind of rocky since uh Halo Reach and I'm just not sure I I don't know if I trust the crew working and writing on this show to still make something good and worthwhile in the Halo universe. I'm I'm hopeful, but I, I'm just, I'm not sure. I, I can't say if it's going to be good, especially because Paramount Plus as a platform is, you know, it hasn't even launched yet. It's entirely untested with original content. Like, at least when The Witcher came out on Netflix, we already knew Netflix could make quality shows. And with Disney Plus, I mean, we knew Disney could make quality shows, but Paramount is such a far-reaching brand that who can say if when this comes out it's even going to be good? Yeah, and that's actually uh, something that I wanted to to touch on is that with with shows like The Witcher being as successful and good as it wa- as it was and is, and you know immediately getting basically greenlit for season two, uh, and then other video game franchises such as The Last of Us getting its own show that I believe is I don't think it has a definitive release time yet I th- I'm seeing like late 2021 early 2022 so that means if if this Halo show comes out in 2022 like they're saying um if it's not around the same time as The Last of Us which I would probably doubt it would because why would you make it compete like that um it's there could be a really high bar for video game ad- adapted uh TV shows granted the witcher is technically a book series technically is a book series that had a game adaptation and then a show adaptation so it's a little bit different um but i think anyone in the gaming who games no thinks of the witcher games over the books as the source material even if that's not true so I mean, there could be a really high bar that people could have, especially if The Last of Us show ends up being good. And then if the Halo show is just okay, I I don't, there'd be no way we're getting another season of it because <laughs> it, it, if the expectations are set of, hey, this is the standard, uh, if you're going to take a video game franchise and adapt it into a TV show, it's got to be, you know, a 7 out of 10 at a minimum. <laughs> yeah. So... It'll, it'll be in, definitely the, be interesting. We could finally be hitting a golden age where we we get good video game adapted media. I think a show like at least a six episode series is a much better medium to adapt a video game into than a movie. I, I yeah. think that's probably a lot of the misstep we've seen with movies in the past. Um, and and maybe this is it. Now that the streaming wars are really heating up and everyone's vying for content. Maybe we're finally going to get some good stuff, but we won't know for a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like we have 2022, that's a whole, at least at a minimum, a whole year before at the earliest we would probably see The Last of Us or The Halo Show. And I would be willing to bet that The Halo Show won't be till like the second half of 2022. 
Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was a little bit more of stuff, like you said, with the streaming wars beefing up about Paramount Plus. Because I think I mentioned either on a previous episode or just to you when we're talking in Discord about how I'm very curious to see what uh, monetization path Paramount Plus was going to take. And from what I've been able to gather, it seems to be it's just going to, it's going to kind of take the same path that um, HBO Now and HBO Go to HBO Max did, where if you have CBS All Access Now, it will turn into a Paramount Plus account. And so it'll be whatever the same, uh, it, so it would be a paid service to, it, it won't be, it won't follow the, um, oh, which, what's the, the Peacock route, it doesn't look like, of being free to just watch anything. And then if you want, you know, like the Hulu thing of no ads, you could pay for no ads. So that is another thing that kind of concerns me on, with, with the Halo show just being on Paramount Plus is, Will Paramount Plus survive to 2022 for the Halo show to come out? <laughs> right. I do think having a stocked library of Nickelodeon content is a very good way for them to start. They're yeah. never going to be able to directly compete with Disney, but having a strong catalog of children's entertainment, I think, is key to establishing yourself as a streaming service. At the very least, it's stronger than Peacock entirely writing on the fact that they have the office yeah yep and and they have all those nbc shows that people like to watch because they would also have a uh, parks and rec too right oh yeah which and, and paramount does also have uh you know kind of the hbo max uh advantage where they are just also a big established production house they have a lot of their own original content they can throw up whereas yeah. netflix had to fight for a while and had the good graces of being the only streaming service at the time before they fired up their original production house. But HBO Max, you know, while they have Warner Brothers and the entire catalog of Cartoon Network, that's a strong point, but they never had to ride on it because they're also HBO, and they're just already known for making high-quality serialized content. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think the smart move here for Paramount Plus is leaning into Nickelodeon, and they're doing that with, uh, the Rugrats and Avatar, and they're more than likely going to have uh, as much as you would want of a strong slate of Nickelodeon content, as well as, you know, frustratingly, the new SpongeBob show. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh I think, was that the other night, or just yesterday, I think we were talking about how they've just, like, destroyed the SpongeBob lore with that show. <laughs> yeah, SpongeBob lore and, is such a dumb series of words. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's true. It's It hurts to see. I can't lie. It hurts to see. But, we're, you know, we're, that train, uh, how many times am I going to say this analogy? The train <laughs> keeps moving. We stop for no one. And uh, to, I think we're probably taking a hard left here now, aren't we? To take a half step back to keep it on the video game front. Yeah, okay. <laughs> see, I'm, I've, I'm finding ways. Um, Anthem is done. Woo, cue the crab rave. Anthem Re- is dead. Rest rest in peace. The game that made uh, Mass Effect Andromeda suck balls is dead itself, and I don't know how to feel. I mean, if they had done this a year ago, it would have been a lot better for them. Yeah. The, I mean, <sighs> I, I didn't play a lot of Anthem. 
In fact, I, I only touch it. I played 15 minutes of the beta, didn't like what was there, and I never touched it again. Yikes. Uh, they're they're blaming canceling Anthem Next on uh, the difficulties of developing while under the strain of COVID, and I can understand Fair. that. That makes sense. However, maybe next time we just make a good game first. And yeah, I I would. I mean, I know the people that are in the trenches working on it. I have all the confidence that they're trying to do the best that they can. But the higher ups at Bioware need to get their shit together mm-hmm. and and start getting actual plans on how to put out a good game because I don't know what their last. I mean, I guess it would be Dragon Age Inquisition was probably their last successful and good game. And from what I heard, it they got lucky as shit that Inquisition ended up being good because it had the same the production of that had the same issues that Andromeda did, but they were able to somehow put together a good enough final product that people were like, "Yeah, hey, this is fun. This is good." And now I don't know if it's Bioware trying to recoup losses, but now after all of this, they're just going back to Mass Effect and making, uh, at least it seems like, a new main series title. Yeah, they're going back to their roots, and their main focus is going towards the, the whatever this next Mass Effect game will be and completing the current Dragon Age game that they're working on. Which... And, like, if those are bad, like, if they go back to Mass Effect, if they drop Mass Effect 4 and it's bad, oh, I mean, Bio- Bioware's done, right? Yeah, yeah, they have to be, because I, I just don't know what they would have. Like, they would have to either completely redo their the top of their st- structure to get new people in there to save it at at that point. But yeah, we'll see. I I mean, it's funny because uh, Inside Gaming Daily is pretty much gone now, and boy. Is it kind of sad that they're not still around to be able to one last time <laughs> give Anthem a proper send off? Because boy, was that a very popular thing for them to talk about after they re- rebranded that for a while. That was, yeah. it was kind of funny. it was like every day of the week they had an Anthem story just because it it launched and was immediately a garbage fire. Speaking of garbage fires, hell yeah, fucking Activision. Oh boy. So the story so, here is like the the two current Call of Duties, right? Black Ops and Cold War or or is it Cold War Black, Black Ops, Ops, Cold War and Warzone? So th- those are three different games, right? Two. There's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Okay. Like it's All right. Black Ops subtitle Cold War. I had no idea. I don't keep up with Call of Duty. <laughs> I thought that Fair was enough. I thought it was three different games. It's all the same anyway at this point. It doesn't it yeah. That makes this even more frustrating. <laughs> but but to get to it, the the announcement, or I guess news piece of this, is that uh, updated versions of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and Warzone may no longer fit on a 500 gigabyte PS4, which is interesting in the, head, in the IGN headline that they specifically say PS4 because it's not like 500 gigs on an Xbox would be any different. That's just saying, if you want... The game, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and Warzone, because they're technically different modes that are independent, although part of the same. It's weird. Um, Those two things being downloaded would be over 500 gigs, and that is fucking absurd. Yeah, and and I wonder, like, they're specifically calling out what is now last-generation hardware. So, I wonder if some of that is optimizations to make 
you know, what could be considered a next-gen game work on last-gen hardware. But either way, this points to an insane problem of bloat in a game that should not take up that much space whatsoever. Even, and, and even like, if I it mean, wasn't sure. 500, it shouldn't be... Those two together should be 120 max, 60 it each. Yeah, and sure, it's, like, it's popular to rag on Call of Duty. I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but I don't think it's an insult to say that Call of Duty isn't exactly a complicated game, and it's not exactly the peak of graphics either. There's vast MMOs with more complicated systems that take up significantly less space than this. Like, I think Destiny, at its highest, might have been 160 gigabytes. Jesus. Yeah. I I mean I'm I'm don't get me wrong. The Call of Duty's now like on the single player side, they look damn good. They do look really good, but I I, I don't know. I, I just I, how can you you can't tell me that one of the one of if not the biggest gaming franchise we've had for the last decade can't better optimize their game. Cuz I I mean I don't know enough about how that works to be, you know, actually have a informed opinion. But as a consumer, I don't believe, to your point, like with Destiny, I don't believe that they can't better optimize it to shrink the file size. I just don't believe that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Even if I liked Call of Duty as a franchise, I would think twice about dedicating that much space on my limited storage console when I could have so much else happening. Yeah. Like, on a PC, it's one thing, because if you're a PC gamer, chances are you have a 2-terabyte hard drive, if not a 1-terabyte. But even the base models of current-generation consoles are only 500-gigabyte hard drives, and you're going to tell me you're going to buy a PS5 just to be a Call of Duty machine? Like, I mean, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but if you're that kind of gamer that is okay with having that much of your console dedicated to Call of Duty, I mean, you at least want some room for FIFA, right? Oh, and I just, I also did just think of this. Um, one aspect of that statement, that's, it's actually looking at it more, it's kind of a deceiving headline. Because if you think about it, uh, I have a 500 gigabyte uh, Xbox One, original Xbox One. And you only have like 350 usable gigs. Right. So that's the and the better thing on that would be it's i mean it's a head it's the headline you're getting it for clicks and it works cuz we're talking about it but it probably is only around 300 something gigabytes still huge yeah that's yeah yes but yeah not not 250 per game as it would appear in in the actual article uh it's there's a, this, this is straight from the IGN article it says back in October of 2020 epic games uh, pushed a patch to the similar, similarly sizable Fortnite to cull its storage real estate by 60 gigabytes. So um, you can do it. You can better optimize that shit so that it doesn't take up as much space. Yeah, but I'm sure when you're on a yearly content cycle as, as a company, that's probably the thing you're focusing on the least and fuck anyone that suffers because of it. I'm I'm curious. I wonder if one of the reasons why it's so big is because of uh the base game of Call of Duty also has zombies. Hmm. That might be why that one's so big. Cause I don't remember 
Well, see, I think I feel like I should have looked this up. I feel like Warzone itself is like over 100 gigs, (laughs) which for a Battle Royale game to me is crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's one of two problems here. Either this is creating a problem for the consumers where the devs are too lazy to optimize their game to fit in the smallest package possible, or this is a problem on the business side where if games are going to be this big going forward, you need to offer higher storage options at the base price. Yeah, very true. Because, I mean, games are going to get bigger inherently. There's no way around that. Games are going to get larger regardless of if we optimize. I think this is an extreme case. I think there are optimizations to be made. But as games get more complicated, as games get more graphically intensive, they're going to get bigger. And I think it's honestly kind of ridiculous that in the current gen, we're still only sitting at 500 gigabytes for a base model. Yeah, I kind of can't believe that the Series X and the PS5s don't have a terabyte. Or do they? I I don't think they do. I I think the higher-end yeah. Xbox model has a bigger hard drive, but base PS5 and a Series S only have 500 gigabytes. Which, yeah, I mean, just... I'm sure it's a, it's a cost-cutting measure to make it yes. more price-friendly. But you're already taking a loss on console price anyway. Jack it up another $50. Give us a bigger hard drive because at this point we need it. Yeah. To stick on video game controversies, and I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we could probably uh, have a whole episode on this if we really wanted to. But um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there's people... legislators or representatives in Chicago that are trying to get GTA banned due to a recent increase in carjackings in the city of Chicago. And all I have to say to that is that's fucking stupid. Uh, That game has been out for almost a decade now. Why do you think that that would lead to it now? And um, there have been, there is literally zero evidence that violent video games cause people to become more violent. Um, I don't know if you have anything else that you would like to throw in on that, but I just like to always, you know, when there's an opportunity to say that I hate it when people try to make that correlation, I jump on it to say that it's all bullshit. Yeah, uh, I think it's funny. It, (laughs) it It was a bad faith argument then. It's a bad faith argument now. The only problem is these people are too old to realize that the bad faith argument they're making is fucking stupid, laughably stupid. I I saw a really good I think it was either a tweet or a comment in someone's chat that was like oh yes the um the thing that was already so common that they decided to name a game after it <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing that's causing the jackings to go up I I it, it was funny it was funny like but that's how, all I, how far removed must you be from your own self made controversy that you think it's still a controversy to to be made any advantage of. Yeah. I, it, it's it's uh, out of touch with the worst things possible. Like, not only is it out of touch with technology, it's out of touch with your own fucking policies. I, I mean, it would make a lot more sense, and it would just be another roll, roll your eyes moment if, like, GTA Five came out last year, and then, oh, we'll, we'll use that as a scapegoat to explain why there's an increase in carjackings. But a game came out in, like, what, 2013? Yeah, and it's not like it's had any, like, massive increase in interest. Yeah. Granted, so, they're, they're still supporting it all the time. There's new content, but, like, it's never in the news for it. 
Yeah. I, so here's your weekly dose of stop it, get some help, <laughs> um, stop making this goddamn argument until someone does a legitimate study that says it is a thing, which to my knowledge, there are none. No, in fact, just the opposite. Yeah, there's actually one saying that it doesn't. So, but that's enough on that. I don't want to, I just, yeah. So, uh, one of the last thing, we got a couple, two more things. One of them <laughs> we'll leave for last, but keeping it on the video game run, the Pokemon Direct, or I guess it wasn't a Direct per se, uh, it was in uh, appreciation of Pokemon's 25th anniversary. So, Pokemon Day was this past week. Um, they announced the remakes for the platinum or diamond and pearl games i can't remember what funky word that they put in front Uh, of them brilliant diamond and shining pearl i believe it was and they didn't and all the jojo fans cried as they didn't do shining diamond (laughs) um which would have been really cool for them to do and i'm kind of surprised they didn't except maybe for that exact reason (laughs) right um they the the new the remakes are taking a different uh art style approach which is I think triggered some people and yeah, because it, like, it looks a bit like a hybrid of Sword and Shield and the Let's Go series. Yes, and someone described it. What was that Legend of Zelda game they remade? Uh, Link's Awakening. Yes, they said it was very similar art style to Link's Awakening. Which, I mean, the only time it really looks like that is when you're walking around in the overworld. The Pokemon look pretty much the same. I think I'm I'm a, I'm about it. I, I until I play it. I'm going to hold my hold out judgment on it. Um I'm just excited to play them. The thing I'm concerned about is whether it's going to have platinum content from the Pokémon Platinum game cuz it didn't sound like it. It sounds they said multiple times that they were faithful remakes of Diamond and Pearl, which would mean it wouldn't have the platinum in-game content, which would kind of suck because do, platinum uh, is do platinum's the- really high regarded as one of like the best Pokémon games. Do the current remakes they've been making normally have the third title they, content? They do. They have the inv- the enhanced version content. So, like in uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, you're literally just playing Crystal, but they call it Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um, and they just change like exclusives. There's more exclusives to each one. And then in uh, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, they were both essentially Emerald. So I have I have reason to believe it, but I was just curious because I tried to go back and see if when they announced those, how they announced like what the content would be, or did they show stuff from the exclusive? Like in Emerald, you there's a whole storyline with Rayquaza post game, um, that they I think teased showing in the, like reveal trailers, but they didn't tease anything about Giratina in these new ones, which would be what Platinum content would be so i'm I'm very interested to see if they're gonna change that for these remakes i don't know why they would but without getting seeing anything to tell me otherwise it makes me speculate which i i don't like (laughs) yeah and then uh the other big thing from the direct was it, it looks like we are finally getting what everyone wanted sword and shield to be right yeah just an open worldy different experienced Pokemon game. That's not like the main series experiences. Yeah. It essentially so looks much... like, uh, go ahead. Like it, people have kind of complained that it looks like they're ripping off the art style of breath of the wild and that it doesn't even look that good. 
But uh, I, you know, at least they're trying something. It looks interesting. And it's not, you know, final footage. It's still in development. The game comes out in in a year, over a year. So I'm holding out judgment. I... As I said, I think it was just last week or a couple weeks ago, I want another Coliseum slash Gale of Darkness style game. This doesn't look to be that. It looks drastically like a completely unique experience, per se, even though a lot of the combat kind of looked like some wild area from Sword and Shield mechanics similar to. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what what it's going to end up being. Uh, it, I'm okay with Pokemon trying some new stuff because they don't do it very often. Yeah, I'm fully expecting this game to be strange and clunky and probably not even very good. There's going to be some missteps. They got to feel things out. But I think that's a good thing because at the very least, Game Freak is stepping way, way, way out of their comfort zone to give people... At least based on this teaser, this could change, opinions could change, but give people what they actually believe a next generation Pokemon experience could possibly be. Yeah, and yeah, and so it's promising, it's very promising, I think. I think we're both in agreement there, and we we just got to wait and see what it is at this point. And as a not so so big Pokemon fan, like I, I haven't finished a main series title since Emerald. Ugh. This would be the thing to get me back in. I would play this game one hundred percent. Okay, I see. I, I, I I'm kind of surprised that you were that into it. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest problem with the Pokemon series has always been like a the grinding, b the turn based combat, and the stiff nature that comes with both of those. And this seems to eschew a lot of that, where the combat still looks like it could be turn based, but the explorative nature, the lack of random encounters, all looks very appealing. Okay. Well, if if the uh, grindy nature was a thing for you, you should just start playing at 6th gen when they just said, fuck that shit, and um, they give you the EXP share that works for your whole party to where you really never have to grind much. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice, but also from a nostalgic perspective, I kind of miss having to grind but then it's like wait whenever i play one of those old ones i fucking hate grinding <laughs> so right. it's a it, i i have it both ways sometimes which also um, i should say as somebody who's not the biggest fan of mainline pokemon uh they kind of did nintendo dirty by having an, an actually very good and very touching opening to this pokemon direct where it was it was a send-off of the the, the past 25 years of pokemon like I loved it. It was a recap video showing all the the biggest content, the biggest merchandising releases. There were some deep cuts I wasn't expecting. I kind of teared up watching the video because I grew yeah. up and grew distant from Pokemon, and it was a reminder of how big Pokemon is and how much it's touched people. And it's kind of a fucking shame that Nintendo couldn't do the same for Zelda. Yeah, I think I, I the only thing I could think on that is that twenty five a uh, twenty five years for Pokemon being a quarter of a century old is a technical bigger milestone than 35. Sure. Um, Still 35 is damn impressive. Any five year thing to me is impressive. Although it's only remembering the original to an extent. And I usually on anniversaries where at least least for Zelda, it always seems like 
Zelda's more and Mario's always more focused on what Zelda like the original. And maybe I'm out of step on that, but the Pokemon, whenever Pokemon has one, they're like Pokemon the whole franchise. They're always bringing all of what Pokemon has become into the fold a little bit more than some of those other Nintendo properties. But that could be mostly because I am a a Pokemon fanboy way more than I am like Mario or Zelda. Right. And we were talking about this the other night where you weren't super familiar with games like Hey You Pikachu or Pokemon Channel. And I was kind of surprised to see both of those games featured in that that little video. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this and was like, oh, Chris has got to be like, oh, Plus, Look, there it is. Like, it had all the, the cool spinoffs, Mystery Dungeon, Pokemon Ranger. Pinball. Uh, P- Pokemon Pinball. Bro, I marked <laughs> out on Pokemon Pinball because I had that game on my Game Boy Color. Had yeah, the, had the was... AAA battery to power the Pikachu speaker on there. Yep. It was such a really cool, like, five-minute snippet that just took you through. I was like, I, I, watching it, yeah, I was just like, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is really cool. Yeah, it was... It was actually an amazing little production. They hit so much. They hit everything a Pokemon fan could want them to hit and celebrated Pokemon as a franchise. It was really cool. Yeah. And then the the last little thing we got in the actual video itself for it is they showed more footage of Pokemon Snap. Hell yes. Very I'm excited for so that. ready. So ready for that. And then uh, the last bit was we we well, I think most of us watched it last night. Uh, Post Malone did like a little concert <laughs> to so like celebrate the twenty. And it, it was weird, um, but seeing uh, I don't know the song, but the, the there's this part where it's you know Post Malone flying through the air with a Lugia going by. I'm just singing about sex, and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I I didn't know I needed this, but this is awesome. <laughs> I I am all in 100% on this virtual concert experience trend we have going on. I think it's one of the coolest things Fortnite has done as a franchise, and I yes. think the idea of this Pokemon concert is very, very cool. But you couldn't have picked a weirder act than Post Malone for Pokemon Day. I guess he's he. that means he has to be a huge Pokemon fan, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Because, yeah, you would never think of Post Malone and Pokemon, in my opinion. Because, like, it's weird seeing Post Malone digitized in a Pokemon style, looking like a Pokemon trainer, but he's still got, like, all of his face tattoos. Yeah. It's a weird look. I thought it looked kind of weird. I I was not the biggest fan of his uh, rendering, but the the whole, the video is really cool. And I would suggest anyone go check it out. It's just him playing like three songs to Pokemon stuff in the background, floating around. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. But um, let's see. That's about it. I I I am nervous to mention this last one as it is a little bit more political. But I just kind of thought it was funny, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But boy, did people get pissed when uh the brand Mister Potato Head is now going to just be referred to as Potato Head. But I think people jumped the gun thinking that they were just getting rid of Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head when they're not. The brand is just now going to be Potato Head, and then you can get a Mr. Potato Head or a Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah. But, but people didn't like read the fine print to figure that out and just took it as they're changing it from potato Mr. Potato Head to gender neutral potato head. Oh my god. That's fucking ridiculous. To to which I have to say 
dude, it's it's just a potato. <laughs> like it it is weird it's to a me potato. that I I think Hasbro has a lot of movie properties in development right now. Um, Potato Head might be one of those, but it still seems weird to me. Like, I mean, like, how old is the Mr. Potato Head product? Like, decades. Decades old. Is it older than Toy Story? Because I thought it came out with Toy Story. I would wager a guess it's older than Toy Story, but I couldn't tell you specifically. (laughs) But even then, an insanely old product that it's kind of weird for them to announce now in 2021 this kind of big brand shift that would imply they're going to do more with the brand, right? Or, or, hey, you're not thinking about the potato head again because when's the last time you thought about it? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it's it, from that perspective, it's a brilliant marketing move of like, yeah, people are going to get pissy, but like, people are talking about our product again and we'll probably, like, I bet there's families that are now going to not ever buy one, but would never have thought it any to get one anyway, and others that are just gonna go, oh yeah, I'll get, I'll get, I, I, oh yeah, a potato head. I forgot about that. I'll get one for my kid, you know. So it'd be interesting to see what the sale of the potato heads does going forward. I just love saying potato head. Actually, that's a. <laughs> I'm actually from that perspective, bravo on changing it because Mister or Mrs. in front of it is kind of like, eh. But just saying potato head, I'll love it. Yeah, no, it flows a lot better for sure. I think, yeah. in general, it's a smart move, uh, especially when you offer differently gendered products, just having an overhead title that isn't related to either. That's just that's just smart branding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, uh, I guess there was one other thing. I don't know if you want to talk about the Ringers thing at this point, because yeah, we could take or leave that one. Um, I don't really have any strong... Things on the, I guess to say the the ringer decided to do a because we're getting towards March for March Madness and college basketball, so uh, everyone starts doing brackets for shit. Um, and <laughs> Ooh, the ringer did. Yes, what would what do we want ours to be on? Uh, I mean, we could just rehash this for video game characters. Or that's that's kind of what I was thinking, um, mostly because there's some bullshit rankings in there. I I love you, ringer. I love you, but. And I know you probably did some of it because it spurred conversation like you should. So to that point, I see you. Good job. <laughs> but um, they did a 64 participant bracket for like, uh, I think they did best, best video game character. So one, ours wouldn't be best because that's subjective as fuck. Right. Um, granted, it's going to be subjective anyway, because if we're doing one, you and I are going to be the ones that decide who wins because we don't have... Uh, enough Twitter followers to uh, get more than like five responses. <laughs> so th- it was completely fan voted. So they just put it up on Twitter and you, I think you could also vote on their thing. I uh, Shocker. Who do you think won? Have you looked? Oh no, I, I don't even know. Was it, was who it, do you think won? Was it Mario? Yeah. The <laughs> final, the final four was Mario, Link, Sonic, and um, <laughs> Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk Hell beat Master. Yeah. Ch- Tony Hawk beat Master Chief in the Elite Eight. And hell bracket. yeah, Tony Hawk making it to the top four. <laughs> hell now, yeah. What was another super controversial? Oh, John Marston lost to Mike Tyson. What the? Fuck? Which is wild. Um, the the biggest bullshit one, and I'm kind of pissed about, is that um, Fox McCloud beat Kratos. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was looking over the initial bracket here, and uh, I you know I realized that sports video games are a thing, especially when you're 
particularly branded like Mike Tyson, but I wasn't expecting it. And I was just looking down yeah. the list and I saw Michael Vick. Yeah, Mike Vick from like uh, uh, Madden the 03 or something. He's so broken. And then the, there's one other one. There's Bo Jackson is on there from Tecmo Bowl, an, an older football game. Yeah. Um, and then they put the fucking the oxen from Oregon Trail <laughs> in. And it actually beat someone uh, and then lost to Master Chief. But <laughs> one a, thing I didn't weird get. Weird bracket. Yeah. I, I mean, it was they, they did some funny stuff. The thing, some of the biggest issues I had was like, they put Commander Shepard as a 16 seed against Master Chief in the first round. Like, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. But um, it was, I mean, it was fun more than anything. Um, it was fun to see and do something like that. But, um,. One thing I didn't get is, do, do people really, really like Arthur Morgan from Red Dead 2? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, they do? Because he beat Nathan Drake, which I thought was wild. Oh, yeah, no, I, I would vote for that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Who did he go up against? Oh, he went up against Cloud in the first round. Cloud was a third. Arthur was a four seed, and he went up against Cloud from uh, Final Fantasy, who was a 13, which I thought was weird a little bit. Um. But I think it was funny that almost all one seeds made it, except Master Chief got cucked by Tony Hawk. <laughs> Tony Hawk! That's the funniest shit I've heard all day. And Tony Hawk beat Mega Man to get into the Elite Eight. Oh my so God. let's see, Tony Hawk beat Tom Nook in the first round, uh, then beat Ellie from Last of Us, which was a three seed, and then it beat Mega Man, because Mega Man beat Solid Snake. Um, And then, yeah, Tony Hawk beat Master Chief. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was funny. I I think we should try to find something to do similar to that. Um, we got three weekends, three until weeks March until Madness. until the March Madness starts. So this next week is for for all my sports people out there. Hell yeah! Um, this next week is the end of uh for most conferences. It's the end of the regular season next weekend. So the what is it? The twelfth. The 12th and the 13th is the end of conference championship tournaments, so it's separate from the regular season. And then the first games will be the weekend of the 19th. And I was actually talking with some of my family about this earlier today. I think they're changing the days this year. Usually it starts, it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I think they're shrinking it to where it's only, it's either Friday through Monday or Friday through Sunday, which I don't know how exactly they would do that, um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think we, we got a little bit of time before we, we could kind of do it in tandem, like go through it, go through a couple rounds each week to finish off whatever we do when, when the tournament ends. I think that would be fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that more, uh, off mic and definitely put that together. So look forward to that. Yeah. So that's, that was it. I can't believe we actually got an hour out of that. Cause I talked before we started, I was like, oh no, I think we could go through some of these really fast. And- <laughs> We got a whole hour. Always. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong at this point, we're going to transition now to some Golden Globe talk. Yeah, because as we're recording this right now, the Golden Globes are happening. So once those are over, we're going to come back and uh, we will hit you with the end of our podcast after that. So stay tuned. Here's a sick transition. Okay, we're back. We are the next day, and we are ready to talk about the Golden Globes, which 
neither of us actually watched because we were recording a podcast at the time. Um, and also, uh, the Golden Globes are kind of whatever, right? Yeah, it's really just, I mean, the only time you'd watch it normally is to watch a bunch of celebrities get smashed throughout the night and see if someone does something stupid, but I don't even think there was anyone there live. It was all virtual, so, like, right. there was Which literally no point. did actually make for pretty funny moments, like, uh, Al Pacino looking like he was falling asleep on the Zoom call. And also, David Fincher might have been taking a shot every time he didn't win an award. <laughs> now that, that's awesome. See, <laughs> but he would have been doing that if he was there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to see it because he was on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're just kind of going to go down the list here. Because even though, like, in a normal award season, the Golden Globes are kind of a footnote that you just watch to have a good time because you see all the celebrities, they're having a good time. Uh, but they're not exactly... Like, you know, they're not the Oscars, but this year, since it's the first in the season, they're kind of going to be tastemakers in the public eye. So the stuff that won here is at least something to keep an eye out to maybe set your expectations for award shows going forward. I just don't think there's going to be that much other stuff that is going to come out, like, come out of nowhere. Like, there just wasn't that much in 2020. Like, I'm kind of surprised they're even doing it because i think to just i'm gonna just jump into the first one nomadland winning best picture i don't know what else is gonna beat it at the oscars for best picture honestly yeah i do think and i'll go and throw this one out as well minari did win for best foreign film and Mm -hmm. and i really really hope that like you know it's kind of a technicality with the golden globes rules that it couldn't be nominated for best picture I expect to see Minati nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Really? Yeah. I mean, if I Parasite just... could be nominated and won, I think there's a very good chance Minari could be nominated. Oh, I, I, I don't think of it from a, from a like because it's a foreign film. I just, I, I, I've yet to see it. I know it is on my list. This is again what we mentioned earlier. What I use like the Golden Globes and Oscar noms for is oh, okay. This is stuff I need to go out and actually see now. Um, but from what I remember hearing about Minari is that it, like, it was good, but I don't know if it was let, well, given the year 2020 was, yeah, it has a good chance of being nominated. <laughs> if it was a normal movie year, I don't think it would have been nominated for best picture. I mean, I don't know that it's a best picture winner, but I think it absolutely deserves to be nominated. Okay. Um, I'm, so I, I can work with that. So yeah, from there, we'll just kind of go down and hit some highlights. Uh, like you said, best picture went to Nomadland. And just to, to hit those bullet points real quick, the nominees were also The Father, Mank, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, by the time the Oscars roll around, I intend to do my due diligence and see all the movies they have nominated for best picture. Because as it stands, I've only seen Mank and Trial of the Chicago 7. And I absolutely intend to watch Nomadland. The other two, I might still skip. I don't know. Yeah, Promising Young Woman, I don't have a lot of interest in. I might see The Father just because it's Anthony Hopkins and I'm a big fan of his. Right. I, I think with like Best Picture and Musical Comedy, like, Borat won. And that's all you really needed to know because other than Palm Springs, I don't know if a normal layperson has even heard of two of the nominations and, and Hamilton shouldn't have won. Cause it's yeah, they, they did a adaptation on Disney plus, but, um, I mean, it wasn't, even it's adaptation. not new. It, like Hamilton's a weird one. Cause it was a filming of, it wasn't even a filming. It was, it was a release of a filming that was several years prior. 
Yeah, that's why I'm like, it's there, but I mean, like, they don't even have this category at the Oscars, so it, that's why I'm like, we can just keep moving. <laughs> yeah, Borat absolutely deserves the the award for for that category, even if it was a gimme. It absolutely deserves it. Uh, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen on his own deserves it, honestly. Well, to jump ahead, I'm pretty sure he does win Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy as well. Yes, I think he, I think he won that as well. Uh, Best Actress in a Motion Picture went to Andre Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday. Should probably watch that one. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if she's up there, because usually on actor-actress noms, they do not go the same way at the Oscars, I feel like, from historical standpoints. And uh, Oscar voters love them some Frances McDormand, so she (laughs) will be around, although she did just win, what, was it two years ago for three billboards? Yeah. Um, Which I think was the first time she'd won in a while, but... I mean, she's there, so look out for that. Alternatively, everyone saw this coming. I don't expect this to change at any award show whatsoever. Best actor for a drama went to Chadwick Boseman. Boseman. Oh, you think you think he's gonna win the Oscar? Absolutely. I I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. I think, for the sake of ceremony, that's just something the Academy is going to do. That because it was his last role, and I've heard that it is also still a very damn good role, it might be his best work. I fully expect that Best Actor will always go to Chadwick Boseman this year. Okay. I definitely need to see that then, because I, yeah, especially if it's his last performance, I don't know why I have not seen it already. Yeah. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Check it out on Netflix. Okay. Uh, We can skip over musical comedy. Uh, Oh, yeah. I uh, supporting actress for the merit. Oh my God! How do you even say that? Mauritanian. I haven't even heard of that movie. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. I don't even know. Okay, I know a, a couple of the movies. Supporting's always weird. I do like that Daniel Kaluuya one, but it's funny to me. I, I have you seen Borat? Yeah. So, I think that uh. Sasha Baron Cohen has a really good chance of winning the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, but I've still yet. To, I I I'm planning on watching Judas and the Black Messiah this week, so that could 100 percent change after I see that because well, I have no doubt that Daniel Kaluuya is fucking amazing in that. Well, hold on, we need to make a distinction here because this is supporting actor. Sasha Baron Cohen is nominated twice: once for actor for Borat, but in supporting actor, he's nominated for Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yes, he won't be nominated for Best Actor in Borat, I would be my guess, but he will be nominated for Supporting. Yeah. But who knows, he might get both, but he doesn't stand a chance in hell of winning Actor. There's just no, it's no, not going to happen. No, God no, the Academy is too stuck up for that. Granted, also what we just said with uh, Chadwick Boseman, so there's that. But uh, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is definitely going to be there, probably with Kaluuya, Kaluuya uh, for that Supporting role. Mm-hmm. Uh, best director. Um, I I apologize. I don't entirely know how to pronounce her name, but Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland. Yeah. Uh, just that's, another reason to check out that movie. I uh, you you like the uh, the diversity there this year? We have two, uh, three women, a black woman, and only two white boys. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I guess an Asian woman for for Nomadland. So there's uh. Oscar's so white, I can't wait for you to fuck it up and have four white dudes be nominated for Best Actor. (laughs) That being said, Best Screenplay went to Aaron Sorkin. 
for Trial of the Chicago 7, which I, I think is entirely deserved. I, I think, actually, the screenplay does deserve more credit than the directing for Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's fucking Aaron Sorkin. All he does is write amazing screenplays. <laughs> right. And I, I do have a proclivity towards movies that are dialogue heavy. And yeah. Sorkin does have a style to his dialogue that I really enjoy. Have you seen Molly's Game? No, I have not. Oh, come on, Chris. You'd love it, especially <laughs> if you like Sorkin, because it's, it's his first movie. Oh, uh, okay. And it came out like two years ago. I lo- oh, it's, I need to watch it again because it's kind of long. Um, it's like 245 almost, but it's really good. Also, uh, Sorkin, is, looking at a picture of him is like, wow, I'm glad I don't have a wide face because the man like myself has a hefty chin, but it is a <laughs> wide chin and it kind of looks weird. Yeah. Uh, so then, of course, there weren't any surprises with best animated picture. Of course, it was going to go to Soul. Uh, but nom- I the re- other nominees are. Nah. But then I do think it is also very cool that it ended up winning best score as well. Yes. Yes, I think that was very appropriate. For uh, John Batiste and uh, Trent Reznor, and I, I forget the name of his collaborator now. Uh, Atticus Ross? Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the Golden Globes webpage is so bad, I lost I lost the, uh, the page I was trying to look at. <laughs> uh, and then, like I said, Best Foreign Language Film went to be naughty, absolutely deserved. Best Song was... Nobody gets a shit from... on Best Song. Los, yeah, let's keep going. Drama series. <laughs> now we're to TV. So those were the movie, or yeah, all the movie awards. Uh, I'm not surprised at all that The Crown won. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I didn't know The Mandalorian was nominated, which is kind of badass. <laughs> um, if that would have won, I would have probably just exploded. Um, so that's cool that they at least got nominated. Yeah. You're probably excited and about Shiz Creek winning Best Comedy, yeah? I mean, I've watched four episodes. Oh, so. okay. I thought you were deeper um, in it. No, no, no. I just started. It's really good, so I'm like, I can understand. I mean, that's not a surprise at all, though. I've heard my uh, my uncle just got done watching Ted Lasso, and he said that's pretty damn funny. Okay. Um, but that's on Apple TV+, Plus. so, like, who has it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, honestly, kind of one of the last ones that I really give a shit about is... Uh, the Queen's Gambit won Best Short Form Series, and Anya Taylor-Joy went home with the Golden Globe for her work in that show. I mean, she, she was so damn good. Yeah. So good. That show was phenomenal. Yeah. If you have not watched it, please just like, put that at the very top of your list of shows to watch, because it, it in my opinion, is the best show Regardless of form that came out last year, granted, I don't watch a lot, so that's not saying a whole lot from that standpoint, but it's still 100% worth your time. Yeah, it's a shame the Oscars don't recognize television, because I, I think The Queen's Gambit is 100% Oscar-worthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's done because it, it's done basically like a bunch of movies, essentially. Like, it could be one giant movie. Well, that was just a stupid thing to say because that's what all <laughs> short series usually are. Wow. Okay. Um, how much longer are we going? Because I think I need to leave. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I think that's kind of all the categories I really care about because, uh, I mean, the rest are for other TV shows that I haven't seen and don't intend to see. Not to gloss over the work these actors and actresses do, but 
you know. And then it was mostly The Crown winning everything else, and then some <laughs> Shit's Creek, and Jason Sudeikis won for Ted Lasso, though. That's kind of that's yeah. kind of. Cool. I mean, shout out to my boy John Boyega for winning uh, for his work in Small Axe. Not that oh, yeah. I have seen that show, but actor. yeah, I'm just happy to see John Boyega get some recognition. And the the legend Jane Fonda got an award, which is always awesome. I fucking love her. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as we roll forward into deeper award show territory, I do want to see more movies, just because I, I have inadvertently worked my way through probably half of what the docket for Best Picture is going to be at the Oscars, so I might as well round it out if I can. Yeah, I got, I on the other hand have a lot more work to do. Um. I need to get to seeing them. It's just so weird because normally the Oscars would have already happened. Right. <laughs> and Which they're is, not for like uh, another month and a half. Kind of the only reason we're even really talking about the Golden Globes is just because it's the first show of the season now. Yeah, and it's a, and another excuse to just talk about mostly movies. I mean, I think both of us watch some TV, but not nearly as much as movies. Right. I, I think the two shows I've really watched this year was The Queen's Gambit and Lupin both on Netflix. Uh, oh, oh and actually, I did also I did also watch Shiro, which is also on Netflix. And uh, I and I guess to the Mandalorian uh, baby. Mandalorian oh, and yeah. WandaVision. Yes. Well, WandaVision's technically 21, so get wrecked. Oh, fair, 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 fair. Okay, well, well yeah, yeah, I think that'll do it. So, uh that's the end of this extra long episode. It looks like we're going to be at like an hour and 15 minutes now and I didn't even get to talk about Daft Punk. That'll be next week after the WandaVision talk. Yeah. Spoiler, we're going to talk a lot about WandaVision next week. Yeah, very excited for the last episode of that, so look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if that's all to be said, say goodbye, Hayden. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.